Hey guys, welcome along. Podcast number 20. Fight fans, this one's for you. Now I said on podcast 19 that I didn't want to go into the fights and stuff. I didn't want to, I don't want to mix it up. I like to keep it separate because then you know what you're getting. Podcast 18, which I did just before Christmas, I spoke about uh, the boxing, um, which was the fight between Dillian White and Derek Chisora. Um, that was upcoming. And then there was the fight after Christmas before New Year, which was uh, UFC 232. Uh, many fights in there that you know I've got a lot to talk about on on them fights. Um, so you know I'll get straight into it. To pick up on the Derek Chisora fight. Now I think that fight showed us really that um, Dillian White is a young upcoming fighter and his game has gone up markedly in in the two years since he last fought Chisora, um, which you kind of expect you know because Chisora he's been around the block. You know, he's he's been knocked out. He's a tough guy. He put up a great fight against Carlos Takam, um, and, and he finished him in that fight. But he just didn't have enough for Dillian White. As as much as the two guys stood there and give us a great show again, um, like they did the first time, uh, where it went twelve rounds, and I think that was really close. And I thought Chisora actually deserved a draw there. The second fight, uh, Dillian White just showed that he was too much, and he, he caught him in the eleventh round and put him to sleep. And it was. It was a left hook out of the blue. I think that it's like that was the punch that, that, he, that Derek didn't see coming. If Derek sees the punch, no matter how hard it is, you're not putting him down. But they always say that it's the one that you don't see coming that, that finishes them. But great heart shown by both guys. What was also nice to see was at the end, um, Derek Chisora was sat on a couch. I think after, after the fight, um, you know, the gloves had come off and everything else, and, and they'd, they'd been with the teams and stuff like that. And I think Derek Chisora was just sort of relaxing on a sofa somewhere backstage and uh, White sat down next to him he says basically just said fucking hell what a fight you know put his arm around him you know it was nice to see it's always nice at the end of the fight you know there's a lot going into the fight there's a lot of build up there's it's not hatred but you know two fighters who really believe in their own abilities who want to go into a fight um, you know amped up um, the want to knock each other out, stuff like that. To see that all go away after the fight and see that mutual respect there, that's always nice. You know, you don't want that stuff to spill out, you know, afterwards because at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. Young kids are watching boxing now, and I think that's you know, discipline is is what kids need to see. They don't need to see uh, things going on after or even before. Even though some of the press conferences, I think a, a lot of stuff gets staged just to to sell a fight, um, but. Kids might not see that, and and I don't think you know it's it's part of what boxing's all about. I think you know as much as a, it's not a game of snooker, as a gentleman's sport. There's still a lot of respect there because when you do something like that, and you can stand in front of another person and punch them, and then punch you in the face, and you can go through the sort of the torture that it, it is to get yourselves into the shape that you need to be in to go into a fight, um, get yourself through twelve rounds of of pure you know war two guys slugging it out there trying to knock each other out there's there's a hell of a lot of, of respect that that you know them people have for each other these boxers these fighters mixed martial artists because they know what they've been through they know how hard they train and then they know when they just leave it all out there in the ring or the octagon that they've both given everything and they have to have a lot of respect especially when you know you're putting your best shots on somebody and they're taking it and firing back um, there's no way you can sort of come out of that fight and then start talking shit about them because um, you know they've kind of you kind of put each other in, in your place a little bit because as much as as it is in the build up a lot of it's like ah oh, you know I'm gonna school you I'm gonna do this to you I'm gonna do that to you well when they get in the ring and it doesn't sort of pan out that way if it's not a first round knockout within a minute um, then then none of that makes sense that all that talk was just talk. Um, but people do that, man. It's confidence. People want to go in there confident. They want to tell themselves that they're this much better because you understand why. You understand that that you can carry that into the ring, and in the more belief you have in yourself, um, the better, the better you will be, and the better fighter, and the better in anything. Really, it doesn't even. It's not just for for fighting, and that can go for any walk of life. You go into your job confident, um, believing in yourself, believing that you can achieve more. You will do. So uh, I mean, not too much to say about that. It was a cracking fight. It was uh, it was a slugfest again. I was actually expecting it to be a little bit more reserved, but you know, fair play. Both of them went out there, and they were both you know toe to toe again, like the first time. 
I was worried that you know they've both got a little bit more at stake this time and, and they might be more reserved but that wasn't the case they gave us a cracking fight and that's what us as spectators like to see uh, in, in, in the fighting world really so you know, fair play to both guys. I don't know where Chisora goes from here. I'm sure he'll stick around. He likes the money. He loves the sport. It's his life. Um, but now it's it's a Dillian White, you know, on, on the up. Um, and then we've seen at the end of the fight, Anthony Joshua got into the fight, uh, got into the ring, sorry. And, uh, you know, it's looking lightly, which I, I kind of seen this coming really. But you want to see Anthony Joshua facing Tyson Fury you want to see him facing Deontay Wilder, one of them too. Now, Joshua said when he got in the ring with uh, with Dillian, he says, you know, you've got to wait your turn sort of thing. He says, he says, there's Fury, there's Deontay, and then you're next on the list. But I don't know how much Joshua wants Fury or Deontay. I really don't. And I, I don't know if it's, it's Joshua or his team, you know, because they want to keep getting wins under the belts. They want to keep... You know, making as much money as possible. As long as he's got them belts, as long as he's champion, he's selling out arenas. He's making a hell of a lot of money. So, do they want to risk all that for him to lose, and then he's not as valuable? I don't believe so, and I think that's what it is. There's no way any fighter's scared of anybody. You know, there's a lot of talk about Anthony Joshua ducking somebody like he's scared. No, he's not scared. He's a very confident guy. He's a big, big guy. He's a machine. Knocked most of his opponents out. He doesn't play around. He's not scared of anybody. Don't don't get that twisted. When people say things like that, it, it just makes me laugh. Because, you know, Anthony Joshua, um, he he's a brand now. So there's a lot of things that come along with, with him. You know, he's 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 got his Under Armour um sponsorship, um, he's got his own AJ boxing stuff and Everything that comes along with that is like if you if you suddenly lose a fight or you you start losing a string of fights, them sponsorships start leaving you. You know you're not as valuable going into your next fight. He's not making that crazy money that he's making. He's not making the millions anymore because he's now the challenger. So I can kind of see where his team uh, Eddie Hearn might be taking it. They want to handpick opponents a little bit more. You know they could have had that fight. I'm sure with uh, Deontay Wilder. They didn't want to go to America. I get the I get the fact why they might not want to go to America because you know fights don't always go your way when you're fighting in somebody else's backyard unless you're knocking someone out and doing it in fashion. I mean we've seen things that you know we've seen the Triple G the first one versus Alvarez. I feel like Triple G won that fight hands down. The second one, you know you can make you can make arguments for both. Um, I don't think. The judges' scorecards made things any better because it's just wild. It's the same thing with with Fury and Deontay Wilder. Although I, I was quite, I was, you know, for the the result, I thought was fair. I thought a draw was was fair. You know, Fury got put down twice. Now, don't get me wrong. If Fury wouldn't have got put down in that last round, there's no way. There's no way on earth that, that Deontay won that. But the fact that he got put down twice, you know, some of the rounds were really close. There were other rounds that, you know, definitely Fury was winning, you know, potentially seven of them rounds. People, Some people saying eight, nine, ten rounds. I don't believe that. I think some of them were really close and it was a hard one. Yeah, one of the judges' scorecards um, was a bit outrageous. But I think all in all, it was a fair result. It was a fair outcome for both guys. I think they, they, both, they both put it all out there. You know, none of them have hid from each other. They made the fight happen really quickly. And, uh, and they give us a show. You know, and and Deontay Wilder showed that he can he can bang. Even at the weight he went in there, at, he went in at quite a low. I think he, on the night he was like two hundred and seven pounds or something like that. That's not heavy compared to uh, Tyson Fury, who's going in, uh, somewhere in the region of two hundred and fifty pounds, and and he still knocked him down twice. And in the second knockdown, um, everybody thought he was out. They thought it was over. Even Deontay Wilder thought it was over. Nobody expected Fury to get up. And that was what was great. On the other hand, is that Fury just showed his heart. He showed that he's not rusty. Um, after two years out, and then having two fights um, coming back from that layoff, which weren't weren't massive fights, there weren't really people who were ever um, on his level. There weren't his caliber um, to then go in to fight somebody like Deontay Wilder, uh, heavyweight champion of the world. Was you know a lot of people were worried that he might not be that same Fury. Well, he showed that he can still box. He can still dance. He's got that movement 
you know, is unbelievable uh, for, for a guy. His height, his weight, you don't see that in the heavyweight division. And that's the Muhammad Ali type, um, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now, I think the only thing is that uh, he probably doesn't sting as much as he'd like to. But with his movement and the way he boxes, um, his style is so slippery and awkward. It's, it's going to be really hard to beat, no matter who you put in front of him. So massive respect to both them guys. And I think it was a great fight and, like I said, a great outcome. Now, just going back to Anthony Joshua... Um, yeah, I just think that they're playing it a little bit safe. Um, people want to see big fights. People want to see him fighting your Deontay Wilder. I think Deontay Wilder, top of the list. Um, for a world perspective, you know, for, for everybody to be watching. Even though, I suppose, Tyson Fury as well now, being in America and fighting Deontay Wilder and all the hype and promotion behind it, he is going to be, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on him as well. So, a massive British clash. Um I don't know, does it sell as much as, as the fight with uh, Deontay Wilder? I mean, Deontay Wilder was saying that in America, there's a lot of money there. They don't do their pay-per-views like £20 a time. I know it's the same on um, with the UFC. You know, I know when, um, when McGregor was fighting um, Floyd Mayweather, for instance, not quite the UFC, but um, a mix of both sports, the pay-per-view was like $100 for the fight, something like that, whereas we pay around £20, which is... Is not even half of, of what they're getting charged in America. So there is a lot of money out there. So this talk of uh, the money's not there, I don't believe that either. And they're saying, you know, we can sell out stadiums. Well, you can sell out stadiums in America. There's bigger stadiums in America than, than there is over here. So I don't quite believe in that. And I'm, I am saying, you know, I think that I don't want to disrespect Anthony Joshua in any way because he's achieved a lot and he's, he's a, a great fighter. I don't think he's a complete fighter yet. But then I don't think Deontay Wilder is either. And then you look at it like, who's going to be the best fight for him? What's the best option? You know that Deontay Wilder only takes that one shot. He needs to land that one shot and he's putting you to sleep. Um, for me, Joshua definitely proved himself when he fought Klitschko. And he came back from adversity. He got dropped by Klitschko. Uh, such a, a veteran in the heavyweight division. Undefeated for all those years, over 10 years. Um, before he lost to Tyson Fury but when he came against Joshua I felt like he was a rejuvenated Klitschko and I felt his movement and everything was really good and that's probably the best I've ever seen Joshua fight so the Deontay Wilder fight um, you know that's that's probably for me that that's the one that, that I want to see um, but all of them fights all, all them three guys at the top there we want to we want to see it as fans as boxing fans that's what what should be there you know um I look at the Dillian White fight and I think, yeah, it's, it's a British clash. There's, there's still going to be a bit of bad blood there. The first time Dillian White was young, still learning his trade, so he could be better. And it's the first time we've really ever seen Joshua in trouble because Dillian White did catch him with a big shot. Joshua's legs went. But again, he, he came back and, and, he, and he finished him off and he, and he did that in style. Um, I don't see a different outcome. Uh, maybe Dillian White will try and approach it differently, but as much as Dillian's grown, so has Joshua. And I don't think, you know, Dillian's level has, has gone so far, surpassed what Joshua has and, and what he's achieved. You know, look at the way he's, he's unified those belts. Um, and that's why another reason why he should be fighting Deontay Wilder, because if you want to be the man, then and you want to unify every belt, that's the fight. That's where you've got to go. So it's interesting, and, and, and boxing at the minute, um, there's, there's so much going on this year. Uh, Canelo Alvarez beat Rocky Fielding very easily in the third round. Um, I didn't expect that to go any other way, really. Uh, Fielding's been stopped before by Callum Smith, who recently beat George Groves in the Super 6 series. Um, and yeah, just Canelo's game plan for that fight was hit him in the body took him to because he's a, he's a big guy and, and he just really worked on that body and he just you know had to keep taking a knee he was just far too much for him he's so powerful Canelo Alvarez and, and there's not many guys out there that can compete with him Triple G was probably his best match and now I don't really see who's in line um, it's just about how much how much money he can make now and how he can clean up different divisions stepping up in weight and things um, but on the boxing front yeah we've, we've got a lot to look forward to now a good domestic British clash coming up in February. We've got 
um, James DeGale versus Chris Eubank Jr. Now that's an interesting fight because kind of I don't understand James DeGale's thinking, and he's saying that you know he's he's rejuvenated and he and he wants this fight with Chris for various reasons, but he lost his title to um, Caleb. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his, his surname. I'm terrible. But um, he lost his title to this guy. And then he won it back. And now he's uh, he's relinquished that title. And and then he's come to fight Chris Eubank for, for nothing really. Other than all I can think is money. He's saying that you know Eubank's been calling him out for a long time. Well, of course he would. Because you know when you're a world level fighter. Um, somebody who wants to make a name for himself. The band to call you out. Chris Eubank Jr. is a tough kid. But he's not shown it at that elite level yet. He got beat by George Groves most recently in the Super 6 series. And he's also been beaten by Billy Joe Saunders in the past. So as tough as he is, as fast and as powerfully as he is, he's not quite cutting it up at that top level. So this is really his chance. And I think there's more at stake. Well, there's a lot at stake for both guys. You know, James DeGale, um, he's got to show... Because his last two fights... Even though he won his title back, his last three fights actually, because one of them was, I think it was behind closed doors. But none of it's kind of set the world on fire. No, people aren't talking about him anymore. Uh, is he trying to salvage his career or is he just looking for a big payday now? I'm leaning towards payday. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr., as I've just said, he needs to prove himself now. He needs to show that he can mix it with the best. Um, one of the things about Jr. is the fact that he's got an ego. You know, and he said he doesn't need a trainer and things like that. And I think that's been his downfall. You know, his dad probably plays a big part in that. Maybe his dad um, give him sort of false illusion of how good he was because he was saying things like he could mix it with the best and he will be uh, world champion in a short space of time. And he hasn't achieved what his dad has said he's going to achieve. So maybe his dad needs to be a little bit more reserved on what he's telling his son and, and just let him do the boxing, let him get a good trainer behind him, somebody who, who can guide him properly and not give him these sort of false illusions of, of what he's already got and, and, and realise that he's still got a lot to learn, he's still very young and he's got that on his side and if he can put it together and beat James DeGale, now that will that will sort of propel him back up there and, and it'll, it'll put him in line for some, some big fights going forward and that it is an interesting fight. Because you've got Chris Eubank Jr., who we know is is still up and coming. He's got a lot there in his tank. He's a very tough, tough guy. You know, when he fought George Groves, he got caught with a lot of shots and he didn't get put down. And George Groves can bang, um, but it's it's not always about your toughness. You know what I mean? You've got to have that technique there. You've got to have the skills. What these elite level fighters have got. So you've got on on the other side of the ring James DeGale who, who's been there and he's gone through the Olympic ranks and he's he's beaten um, elite level fighters he, he he got a draw with Badu Jack in a, in a war an absolute war and I didn't think you know throughout his career I've not really liked James DeGale's style because I felt like his Olympic style was kind of point scoring and some of his shots weren't there was there was nothing to them really, but they still scored points. They're almost like palm strikes, and I never liked that. But when he when he upped his game when he went against Badu Jack, um, he really put on a performance there. So if he can bring that to this fight, and now he's been saying about his last few fights that he's been fighting through injury and things like that. So if that is the case, then fair enough. We might see a different guy this time. Uh, I can't predict who's going to win that fight. Um, it just depends on who brings the A game on that day. I think Chris Eubank has it in him to do that. I think he has it in him to beat James DeGale. It's probably going to boil down to who wants it more. Um, DeGale thinks he's going to score Chris Eubank. I think he obviously is a, is a more of a veteran than Eubank, and he, he has been in these wars now. Um, yeah, it's this is, it's a it's a very good clash there. It's it's going to be interesting. You see, because I think Chris Eubank's got the speed. Does he have the power to beat somebody like that? Because we've seen him absolutely dismantle people um, at British level, but not at world level. So as, as powerful as he looks, when you see him in training and stuff like that, does that is that as powerful as, as he needs to be at elite level? I'm not sure. He's not proved that yet. But it is a big fight, and it's something that it's going to be very interesting to see and, and see which one of these guys really wants it most. And 
I mean, James DeGale said it best, really. He said, this is, let's call this a, a retirement fight. Because, I mean, both of them, really, it's where do you go if you do lose that fight? So, yeah, it could be a case that one of these guys is going to retire the other guy if, um, if they come out victorious. So, that's a good fight on the horizon. There's, there's plenty of boxing on the horizon that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, also, on the same night as the Chisora and White fight, I just picked up on um, in Podcast 18, Josh Warrington versus Carl Frampton, and I called Warrington to win that one, which he did, but it was closer than I thought. And um, actually, it was a really, really good fight, similar to Chisora and White. They put it all out. They left it all out there in the ring. Um, both guys taking some big shots um, and, and really, really gutsy performances from both of them. And for me, especially like Frampton, I thought he was sort of on his way out. He wasn't going to be able to compete with guys like Warrington. Um, as, as good a fighter as Frampton's been over the years as a counterpuncher and stuff like that, I thought Warrington was going to be too much. But he was more aggressive, Frampton was. And he really did go for it. And I have to give him a lot of respect for that and kind of revoke what I said back in Podcast 18 because I felt like he wasn't that same fighter anymore. Well, he proved he is. But he just came up against a better man in that fight. And as well as they both fought, Warrington definitely deserved it. But it was more fireworks than I expected. Because when um, when Frampton has fought somebody as high profile like Scott Quigg before, when that was looking like it was going to be an absolute blinder of a fight, it was the biggest snooze fest I've ever seen. So I was kind of thinking it might go along the same way. But fair enough, he put it all out there and, and, and he gave it his best. So it was very entertaining, and that was a points decision to Warrington. Um, yeah, these are the kind of fights that we love seeing, you know, and especially when it's two high-profile guys, uh, when there's a lot on the line. We don't want to see um, people trying to avoid each other, fighting behind the jab, waiting to counter-punch each other for 12 rounds. I know as much as sometimes, from a boxer's point of view, it's the safest bet, and it's, it's, it's a good way of not being knocked out. Um, but from a spectator point of view kind of lose a little respect now the big one UFC 232 that was fireworks that was amazing one of the best UFC cards of the year and they left it for, for the very last card of the year um, where do you start with that one so much went on in that um, you know there was a return of um, Chad Mendes um, he got beat by Volkanovski Volkanovski stopped him Looks really good, actually, Volkanovski. As much as Chad Mendes looked good coming back, he didn't look too rusty or anything. Both guys, very similar kind of fighters when it came to the striking and things like that. Similar size. You knew it was going to be a bit of a slugfest, but Volkanovski just showed too much heart in that fight. There was a point where I thought Chad Mendes was getting the better of him, but it just goes to, to show the strengths and, and, and the gutsiness of Volkanovski. And he's an up-and-coming guy. You know, Chad Mendes has been around. He's been in a few wars now. Um, so... He's looking. Uh, he's looking for a title shot. Um, you know, I think he's looking to fight Max Max Holloway at some point soon. I don't know how that's going to pan out. He thinks he's going to be a nightmare for Holloway. Holloway is such a big guy with that sort of reach, and he will stand in front of you and bang. Like the way the way he beat Brian Ortega was astonishing. Um, I think he he got the the highest amount of of clean shots or. Um, Contra, you know, like actual sh shots that were significant, significant strikes, I think is the word that they use. Most significant, significant strikes in any UFC fight. I mean, you could see that on Brian Ortega's face. But Max Holloway, what I like about him is he just carries on at the pace that he will start off with. Or in fact, come round four or five, he's even, he's even more into it. I think once he's, he's took a few punches and things like that, I think that's it then. He knows... You know, it, nothing's going to bother him anymore, and he will stand there and bang with you. And Max Holloway, for he's a big guy for that division, and you don't want to stand in front of him and bang. It'd be interesting if Conor McGregor would drop down and fight him again, but I don't think he is. There's a lot of talk about McGregor. I mean, just recently I seen something Dana saying that McGregor will return to the octagon to fight uh, Khabib again, and I was thinking. Khabib should fight Ferguson next. I was really hoping that was going to be the case. I don't see why Ferguson doesn't deserve that shot. Yet his um, trainer has, has come out saying that they're not interested in the Ferguson fight. Well, for me, that's kind of like almost you, you sort of dodging him. I know that fight's been there 
five times on the table now and it's just it's never come to fruition through certain injuries between both fighters but saying that you don't want that fight and what he's saying is it's because of the money it's a money thing now he wants Khabib to earn money well Khabib always says that it's not about money and it's about his legacy he said this when it was in the press conference with Conor McGregor so why why now turn around and say it's about money they're talking about fighting Floyd Mayweather I think that's a joke um, keep him in the UFC Khabib is is mauling people he's at the top of his game he's almost you know he, he's there ready to be uh, number one pound for pound fighter there's no reason he can't actually step up in weight as well because Khabib struggled so much to, to cut uh, into that division into the lightweight division he's, and that's one of the reasons why he didn't fight Tony before because he was he was ill from from cutting so much weight um, I think he walks around quite heavy and he could definitely step up so yeah, it's a bit up in the air with that. I don't know what's going on with Connor. I know he's just had a baby. Congratulations, McGregor. I know you won't be listening, but there you go. Um, but yeah, where's he going to go? Um, he doesn't have to go anywhere. But I'm sure that when he signed up to fight um, Khabib, he'd, he'd signed like a six or seven fight deal. So he's got to do something. Um, you know, he's been paid for that. He's been paid. He's under contract. So. I really like the Al Aquinta fight. As I was talking about I kept, uh, Al Aquinta recently, and I kept calling him Al Aquinta <clears throat> or La Quinta, which in Spanish is the Czech. So yeah, I should I shouldn't be calling him the Czech, but yeah, Al Aquinta um, put up a great performance to beat Kevin Lee, which I was very surprised about. I thought Kevin Lee was going to come back stronger than the first time they fought. I think I think they fought five years ago. Um, Al Aquinta beat Lee at that point. Um, but yeah, man, he showed he showed a lot of heart, and he, you know, in them, in them final rounds, he was really kind of forcing it upon Lee. Um, you could see Kevin Lee; he, he kind of, he, I think he was broke. I think I think I Quinta broke him. I think he surprised him a lot. I didn't. I don't think Kevin Lee thought he had that in the tank. I know Lee's gutted about it because he wanted to sort of get back up there and put himself in contention for a, a title shot. But I think. Iaquinta and McGregor will be a great fight for both guys. You know, Iaquinta is going to make his money. Um, Conor McGregor, he has to he has to go down that ladder a bit. He can't be fighting um, f- for belts every time he comes in. It's not fair on other guys. It's not fair on Tony Ferguson. Definitely, you know, he deserves a shot. Now, if anyone, he got stripped of his interim belt without even losing a fight. You know, and 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 that was because. He damaged his, his ligaments in his knee. I think he did his ACL, and that was that was through doing an interview with the UFC. So he got stripped quite unfairly. He needs that fight with Khabib, and if Khabib can't give him that fight, something needs to be done about that. I think. I mean, I know there's suspension and fines and all this kind of stuff to get around. So that division is kind of left a little bit in limbo. I think a great fight would be McGregor and Ayer Quinter in the meantime, while all that crap's being sorted out. Uh, I don't know if Conor McGregor's had a, a suspension from um, from that fight. I don't see why he would have got a suspension. Obviously, there was the the Dolly thing, but that was beforehand. Um, yeah, he might have started the fire, um, but you know when when he got jumped in the ring by Khabib's team, I think that you know he doesn't deserve um, he doesn't deserve suspension or anything for that. But having a new baby and things like that, how much is that going to kind of um, halt his progress in training? You know, does he really want it anymore? He's got his whiskey line. He's got so much going on. You know, everything that he does on on Instagram is all paid sponsorships. The guy's making a fortune from not fighting. Um, But like I say, he is under contract, so he should be coming back. And and fighting is is love. You know, he's done it for so many years, and you would think that he wants to get back in that octagon very soon. So I really, really hope they can make that eye counter fight Um, because it's a good fight for both guys. Um, Stand-up-wise... Iaquinta is doing really well, but I still don't think he can match Conor McGregor in that way. If we get prime Conor McGregor, definitely not. And I think Conor McGregor's wrestling is um, is a lot better than people realise, um, because you know he he trained hard with his wrestling for the Khabib fight a lot behind the scenes, um, and he did kind of keep Khabib at bay, and he and he came out relatively unscathed in a, in a couple of rounds. And the biggest thing what kind of slowed him down was when Khabib hit him with that overhand. That's actually what you know what slowed him down. And then once you've got somebody like that, then to take him down um, when they're tired, when they're dazed, that's that's kind of what finished it for him. 
and then he had to take you know quite a bit of a beating in the third round I believe um, maybe second round third round I can't remember off the top of my head going back now but I really think it's a good fight and if McGregor wants to prove himself and say look I've still got it I've not stopped training um, <clears throat> I had a bad night and and just come back and then and then showcase what he showcased in the past and, and demolish somebody like Iaquinta then he can start coming back and saying right now I'll take that Khabib rematch and if Khabib's talking about money or if his trainer wants him to earn money well there ain't no better fight to earn money from than the McGregor fight especially the rematch fight it's going to sell out more than he did last time it's going to be the biggest pay-per-view fight going I'd imagine but he's got to have that one fight first he can't just come back in there at the top and fight Khabib again in my opinion uh, I think he needs confidence from winning another fight as well because you know he's not he's not doing too well um, obviously last, lost his last two fights one of them not being a boxing match but still he lost and you know the more you lose the less your confidence is and, and, and I think he needs that bit of confidence there so for him to go in and do a job on Iaquinta um, it might give him some more confidence to go into that Khabib rematch he can learn from his mistakes what he made in that, that first fight um, and he can probably train a bit harder and not start drinking whiskey in, in press conferences as well but back to UFC 232 where do I start? Because there's so many, you know, like I said, the Chad Mendes fight, Volkanovski, he looked good. Um, I was gutted about Kat Zingano because I, I just, I really like Kat Zingano and, you know, she, she's been through a lot and she's a single mother, but she's still training hard and she's got some skills and she's beat Amanda Nunes, who we will come on to soon. And I felt like, you know, this fight would be a, a good sort of, show of, of of her skills and and show that her intentions to get back up to the top yet she got kicked um and i gouged with a big toe um and, and that's that was that was bad that the, the fight had to end in that way uh and then there's a little bit of, of talk about you know how how eye gouging works what's the difference between a finger and a toe it's a total accident i mean you can you can push your finger into somebody's face um, quite knowingly but to do that with your big tie I think I would take a, a lot of skill um, so it wasn't intentional and they had to stop the fight and it's just the way it is TKO unfortunately so I felt sad for her I really wanted her to, to come into that fight and, and showcase what she's got and what she's learned she looked great in a training camp um, and just unfortunately it, it just didn't work out um, so yeah I mean hopefully she comes back hopefully the eye heels will pull good and, and we can see her again in the future um, so, yeah, I'm going to talk about Amanda Nunes. So, as I was saying, Kat Zingano, she beat Amanda Nunes. She broke her. And it, although it was a lot earlier on in, in Nunes' career, before she's beat Ronda Rousey and various other big fighters, uh, Shevchenko, etc., um, she still got beat, you know. And sometimes that can be in the back of your mind. If you've beat, been beaten by somebody before, that can play out into the fight. So that's why I was really hoping that would sort of... Uh, sort of work itself in that way because Kat could have won that fight and, and then says yeah and called her out to fight fight for the belt because there's not too many other people now she's beat Shevchenko twice uh, Nunes um, who else is left now the Chris Cyborg fight co-main event what an unbelievable fight who who could have seen that coming I mean I said on podcast 18 that nobody's beating Chris Cyborg I didn't see anybody in the division beating her you know, I was thinking it was going to take a, a man to come in there and beat her. Um, one thing I will say is that I felt like when I seen her in the weigh-ins, she looked very depleted. And I think it's such a struggle for her to get down to that weight. Um, she, I've heard she walks around at like 180 pounds. So to be losing like 40 pounds or whatever to get down to a fight like this, it's going to take some of your, some of your strength, some of your, some of your knockout power and stuff like that. Undefeated in over a decade. I think 13 years since Cyborg lost a fight. She is a phenomena, and I didn't see Nunes as much as people talk about how powerful she is. I didn't see Nunes finishing her within a minute of the first round. That was quite unbelievable, and it does show that timing uh, is is massively important. You know, when they talk about timing and speed over power, well, her timing. If you watch them shots that she picked Cyborg off with, the way she she ducked Cyborg shots, and she really hit her with some some fantastically perfectly positioned shots that took Cyborg out hit her on the temple caught her on the button it was it was an exceptional performance 
So I'm not saying that Cyborg lost because she was depleted and she was weak because I don't think that was the case. I think she rushed it too much. I mean, she went in there to leave it all out in that in that octagon. But I think that sometimes certain fights, you've got to be a little bit more prepared for. You've got to take your time. You've got to figure that fighter out. And you can't just go rushing in in the first round. You see big fights and you usually see them trying to work each other out and, and, and pick apart their opponents, find, find holes in the game. And Cyborg just went in there to bang. And unfortunately, she got banged. Um, and she got banged hard. Mish Tate tweeted after that fight saying... I told you she could bang. <laughs> so as much as, you know, people already kind of knew that uh, anyway, I didn't think Cyborg would have gone down under that pressure. But I think, you know, she really, she she left her chin out there. You know, when you're swinging for punches and then getting caught, it's it's not it's not going to end well, and I thought she, her game plan was was not great. So I'd have liked to have seen how it played out if she would have took her time a little bit more. But I really don't think that she looked great at that weight. Um, but fair play to Cyborg as well because after the fight she's been so humble and she's said you know how that you know it's God's plan and sometimes you lose and things like that. Now for somebody that's not lost a fight in over 13 years, you'd think that would really hurt. Um, but she seemed in very good spirits for saying, you know, given the circumstances and the way she lost as well, um, you know, the fact that it was in less than a minute, uh, you would you would expect that she might come out and, and she'd kind of beat herself up a little bit about it because she, her game plan or she didn't have a game plan and she should have had a game plan uh, and, it, and it didn't it didn't work out. You know, sometimes people will beat themselves up a little bit more. Whether or not she is, she has done that in her own time. Maybe she has, but from what she said in the press conferences and stuff, you know, it seems very, uh, very humble, and um, it's great to see in an athlete. And because, as well, that gives you a lot of hope that she's going to come back um, just as stronger, if not stronger, and, and fight again. What has disappointed me, which is something that I heard yesterday is the fact that Amanda Nunes is saying that, you know, Cyborg wants a rematch, she's got to wait two years, which I think is quite unfair. Um, no way that anybody should have to wait that amount of time. You're looking at Cyborg, who's who's, who's getting older, Nunes is more in a prime. Um, in two years' time, that's a, that's a lot of time, that's a lot of training, that's a lot of fights in between to, to, to wait for that, that shot back, you know. She, she gave her the chance uh, by depleting herself and, and Nunes came in at a weight which I felt like was probably better for her because she's not had to worry about weight because she's probably gone in there at quite a natural weight and it was easier for her to, to do that without having to um, exert too much energy and put too much time in, into cardio and cutting down weight and, and focus really more on, on her skills as a fighter. Um, and she did this the last time when 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 the the, the the fight was being talked about originally. You know, Cyborg waited a year to get this fight. She said she wasn't ready. She needs to wait a year. And now she's saying that her game plan, everything went perfect, how she wanted it to go, how she expected it to go. Yet she's saying that she won't be ready for Cyborg for another two years. It seems a bit strange. Um, you know, she's the champ, champ. Um, I know she's got to go and, and and defend her own title and go back down and do that, but. Two years seems very heavy, uh, and I don't know how the UFC would see that. You, you know, the problem with being champ champ is you can only you can only do that for a certain amount of time because you're you're holding them two belts, and to go up and down in weight and fluctuate like that, it's not good for the body. Um, so maybe she's just done it to get herself, you know, as part of one of those people and the first female to ever do that as well. Um, and, and there's only been three people, I believe, which is um, Daniel Cormier and Conor McGregor uh, that, that have actually done that, um, including herself. So, yeah, what a fight. I mean, you can't take anything away from her. She, she demolished Cyborg. You know, you would never expect to be saying that in any sentence. Um, absolutely dismantled her. And you can't take that away from her. I just wish the fight would have gone a little bit different. Kind of feel a little bit bad for Cyborg. But at the same time, feel, feel bad for fight fans that we didn't get to see um, more skills from both fighters. You know, see how they work each other out. And a bit a bit more tacticians. You know, I always say that we like to see a fight where people go toe-to-toe -to -toe and banging and stuff like that. Because that's exciting for us to see. But when it ends in like 50 seconds... Um, is a little bit like oh, I wanted to see a bit more of that. You know, the, the anticipation for that fight for me, um, I was really looking forward to it, and for it to end so quick was a little bit sad.
Um, but there you go. That's fighting. That's how it goes, and that's exactly what Cyborg said. She she understands that that's the that's the way it is, and um, you know she's ready to come back. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like she's going to get that title shot now, and she wants to wait another two years, which is, as I think, is a little bit harsh. We'll see what Dana White has to say about that. And then the main event: John Jones and Gustafsson. Now, when I talked about this fight, um, it was just before. It was before the test came out. So there were already a fight in, in Vegas. And then, what was it, three days before uh, the fight was due, um, they moved it to LA because um, the Vegas, Las Vegas um, commission, they couldn't, um, they couldn't sanction the fight because, again, John Jones had tainted supplements found in his blood, in his test. Um I don't know why it keeps happening. I can't make excuses for John Jones. As much as I like the guy, he's an amazing fighter. He's a, he's a brilliant athlete. Um, so, so young as well. I think he's only like 23 years old. And, and what he's achieved in that time and the people he's beat on his record is, is unbelievable. And I really don't think that he needs that stuff. He doesn't need anything. And, you know, when he was talking about it, he was saying pictograms. I'm like, what the hell? It isn't a pictogram a bloody... It's like a picture puzzle or something like that. Um... A picogram is what he was meant to say, and it's a picogram of this substance, which apparently is a grain of sand um, split up into was it fifty thousand pieces? So it's it's a fifty thousandth the size of, of a grain of sand. But I don't know enough about performance enhancing drugs to to sort of comment on how that could affect his performance. It probably doesn't. But one thing I do know is that. There's something going on. Without a doubt, hands down, there's something going on. He is maybe micro-dosing or something like that. Um, and whether it's giving him the edge or not, um, maybe. The only thing I can put it down to is that he's used this stuff in the past and it's more of a, a placebo effect that it's having on him now. It's making him believe that this is what's making him who he is and, and what keeps keeps giving him the win. That's all I can think because John Jones doesn't need that shit. John Jones is an amazing fighter. And I said it on the last podcast, uh, the, the, the UFC um, podcast that I did, Podcast 18. I was saying it about Gustafsson, um, that I don't think he's going to have the tools to beat John Jones. And I was saying that John Jones is the kind of guy that could just roll out of bed without a training camp, go in there and still fuck you up. And <laughs> he does that. He is that good. But all this shit that keeps going on, it, 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 I can't understand why because of how good he is, he really doesn't need it. Um, but, you know, it is cheating at the end of the day. It's still against the rules. It's illegal. Whatever he's doing. And then, you know, I've tried to listen to, to like, Novitsky's um, explanation of this. Um, and he's saying that it's something, it's it's basically flared up from, from a previous test. But two years ago, when, they, when, he, when he was banned for this substance, how can it be flaring up now? And... and I heard about the test that they were showing up now. It was before, I think he had eight tests and they all showed up clean before the before the Gustafsson fight, before before it showed up again. And before that, there was two tests that showed up at, say, one picogram or one unit or whatever it was. Um, that happened twice and then he tested clean, say, eight times. And then just before the fight on his last test, it showed up at like 60. Now, that's a big jump from one. And especially when you go clean for eight tests, for then it to become 60. And they're kind of trying to make out that with technology evolving, um, they've been able to find this flare-up that's... I don't know where it's where it's coming from, whether it's supposed to be some muscle tissue or whatever. It's 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 laid dormant. I don't believe that. For some reason, I, can't, I just can't believe that. It doesn't, it doesn't sound right. And, and there's a lot of stuff going on. I've heard that... The reason why other people like Frank Mir and stuff who, who tested similar um, got suspended and this hasn't happened to John Jones is because he's become a bit of a snitch for USADA. And he's he's kind of reporting um, on other people that are doing it. He's snitching on people, apparently. I don't know how much of this is true, but I'm just going off of things that I'm reading, things that I'm hearing. And if that's true, then um, that's that's crazy, man, because... For you to be able to report, for you to be able to know that somebody else is doing this shit, you've got to be in them circles. If 
you know, if you're a drug dealer, this is what informants do. If you're some sort of drug dealer um, and, and you want to, you know, get out of, of, of getting put into jail or whatever it is, this is this is how things happen. You know, I see it in movies and things like that, and I'm sure it rings true in real life, but these snitches are doing it to, to save themselves. But the only reason why they know the people that are doing it is because they're in them circles and they've been there and they've used that stuff. So, you know, it, it kind of just proves, man, that you're guilty. Um, but, you know, it seems like, it's such a big fight and they didn't want to lose that fight as much as Dana said they doesn't and it wouldn't be fair to Gustafsson I don't think Gustafsson was beating him anyway I don't think anybody's beating him so, so like I said there's just no need for the use of, of these PEDs but must be some kind of placebo effect that's all I can put it down to must be something in John's brain that's saying yeah I need this this helps me win this gives me the edge I really don't think it does so I mean get rid of all the controversy and um, we'll, we'll, we'll go away from that subject talk about the fight um, and what I've talked about before is the fact that you know because everybody said that Gustafsson was his toughest fight to date and there was a lot of John Jones saying that you know he didn't train for the fight etc I kind of get what he means now so when he said he didn't train for the fight I don't think that's true that he didn't actually train at all I think what he was saying is or what he means is that he didn't train for Gustafsson he didn't train for Gustafsson's style so his his boxing which is a very high level, John Jones wasn't ready for. You know, he fought people who stand up and can use the hands, but he'd never fought that level of boxer before. And that's what caused him problems in the first fight. This fight was totally different. You could see his distance, you know, he, he wasn't letting Gustafsson get in range. Um, he did very, very well at avoiding um, Gustafsson's punches. And you could see from the start, you could see it in the first two rounds that the game plan was always to take it to the ground. Um, he went for a couple of takedowns which got stuffed uh, maybe went in too early but when he when he did take him down in that third round he held him down like Gustafsson was was a five year old boy you know he he was trapped there's nothing he could do and the ground and pound just finished it off and it was it was perfectly executed it was a great game plan the training that he'd done for that fight um, he learned from his first fight the same way he did with DC when he learned from his first fight with DC and he head kicked him and knocked him out um, and that's what John Jones keeps saying is that you know they're a different beast when it comes to a second fight because they learn and because he's so young I think that's how he can soak things up so quick he can learn so 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 quickly and uh, and really um, you know punish these people and if they're not upping their game and changing their styles and they're coming in to fight John Jones the way they fought him the first time then they're going to come unstuck um, the guy is an absolute complete fighter absolutely fantastic you know we all said about when DC's uh, wrestling, you see how DC mores people. Same, same as 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 Khabib. You know they they're from the same team, and they're such high level wrestlers. Yet we've seen John Jones lift Cormier up and slam him. You know that's how good John Jones is. And when he put Gustafsson down to the ground, that was it. from that point it was over. Gustafsson couldn't do anything. You know he was he was stuffed from that point on. Uh, all he could do there was was lay there and take a beating. And, and again, nice to see, you know, at the end of the fight, they got up, they had a hug and, you know, give each other the respect that they both deserve. I just felt like Gustafsson never changed his style. You know, I think he he, he only has that style, really. Um, and he needed to, to really do some more work on the ground to be able to at least sort of weather the storm. But there was just nothing there and John Jones exposed him. And, and it was as simple as that. Uh, so yeah, what a, what a card! And, and and the one that I want to go back to as well, I kind of skipped over and I'm going straight through the main events was the fact that BJ Penn got submitted, and I was like, I was really looking forward to seeing Penn uh, on his return. And, and as I said in the in podcast 18, I had not really looked at Ryan Hall. I didn't know who he was. I knew he was six foot one. Not really seen anything about the guy before. Um, and do you know what? I kind of gone back and watched him, and I, I I don't like the style, man. I don't like his style. I mean, fair enough, it works, and it worked on Penn, and he submitted him, and that was a that was a dirty submission. The way the way he took his leg, it looked nasty. Um, but I don't like his style because I like to see fighters fight, and what Ryan Hall tends to do, he's you know somebody will go in for a punch, he'll drop back and land on his back on the canvas, and then he will kick up from the canvas and, and people are like all they can do is throw leg you know throw kicks from standing while he's on the ground and Ryan Hall 
with it's quite it's clever but a very dirty move he, he's very quick to see that kick being thrown and he'll extend his leg out and kick back towards the knee which can cause some mega damage um, but all he's waiting for is like that heel hook he wants to get that fight down to the ground he's obviously very good at, at submission and that which I kind of scoured over in, in podcast 18 I didn't realise that that was his thing um, so when he submitted Penn I was like wow I mean you don't expect that to happen from the master and I've listened to Ryan Hall's interview and you know, kind of, he said it was kind of bittersweet because um, he has a lot of respect for Penn um, which you can understand who wouldn't anybody who, who enjoys MMA UFC if you go back you know through the archives and you look at the things that BJ Penn had done um he is an absolutely fantastic fighter and, 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 a, and a, a spearhead, I suppose, for the UFC. He was one of the originals that you know you would really look out for. And it, it wasn't great to see him lose that way. Uh, but he is getting older and, and you know can't take anything away from a Hall for beating him. I just don't like the guy's style, man. I can't, I can't watch that laying on his back, throwing upward kicks to try and break somebody's leg as they're throwing a kick at him or, or just get a heel hook and take him down to the ground and, and submit a match. It's not the kind of fighting style that I like, but it works for him and he knows it works for him and that's why that's why he's using that. Um, but I just had to pick up on that one because um, you know, I, was, I was thinking about I knew I'd skip something out, but I don't know. What do you guys think? For me, it's a dirty style. I don't like it, um, but fair play. If it works for you, you know, if I'm in that situation where I'm, I'm, I'm in, a, in an octagon with somebody and I'm having to play to my strength, if I'm lying on my back and waiting to grab the heel or whatever it is and that's the way I have to win, I can understand it. But yeah, there's just, I know the guy's got high level taekwondo and you don't really see it. He's not, he's not using that enough. Um, it, it's, you know, just chucking yourself on your back is a bit strange. Um, one of the previous fights I've seen where he was doing that, I can't remember the guy he was fighting. Um, he was just—he was getting so frustrated with him, with him throwing himself on his back, and he was saying, "Get up, you know, get up." He wants to fight on his feet, and he ain't—he ain't going there. He doesn't want to do it, and it literally takes the referee to tell him to get up. And it's—it's it's a weird style, but like I say, it works. Um, so I can't—I can't fault him for it, but I won't be—I won't be watching many of his fights if that's how they all pan out. Um, going forward, um, January nineteenth, we've got TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo. Uh, for the flyweight title and I've seen Dillashaw looks very gaunt cutting down to this weight very gaunt but he does look absolutely lean and ripped to shreds there looks no water on his body whatsoever um, and he's saying you know through his posts that I look out on Instagram and things he's saying that he feels great and he's not losing any strength he's not losing power um, we'll see on the night Henry Cejudo is a dangerous fighter man because he's an Olympic gold medalist uh, wrestler so we'll see how this if the fight stays on the feet TJ's TJ's such a good striker very very good striker the way he beat Cody in, in the, them two fights um, was amazing you know absolutely um, scored Cody and then everybody thought Cody Garbrandt was the better fighter um, there was a there was a lot of stuff, um, you know, the fact that there was there was in the same team, and and then TJ went his own way, and I think TJ is sort of coming to his own now because in that in that team he was probably always second rate to Cody, and then there was there was things to do in in the um, in the TUF uh, where McGregor was coaching and stuff like that, and they kind of you know made him look like a real bad guy, which I don't think he is. I think TJ. You know, he might talk a lot of shit, and and there was a lot of talk about oh, he used to try and go in there and hurt people. Well, some so there is there is some them teams that do do that. You know, that's how they train. They go in there and have all out war sparring. And that happens. Um, so if people are coming to hurt you uh, when you're training, obviously uh, TJ is going to go back at them. And if he knocks somebody out, he's going to knock somebody out. And I think he's found um, a much better place with his trainers, with the gym that he's at now, and um, he's he's just shown his class, but the way he beat Cody twice, the second time especially, um, yeah, really, you know, he has shown the class, uh, and he's shown he's shown a lot of growth, he's shown uh, how dedicated he is to the sport, and, and what it means to him, and he's even talking about, you know, he's so confident he's going to win this fight, and he's talking about being the first person to hold three titles at once. So he wants to drop down, beat Cejudo, and he wants to go up two divisions into the lightweight division and take on Max. 
I'd love to see that. And if he could achieve that, then, you know, the guy deserves a medal. He deserves all the free titles, 100%. Um, and, and, and you know what? I don't back against the guy, you know, because I, I didn't I didn't believe he'd beat Cody at first. Uh, but he's shown uh, the true warrior spirit that he has. And the way he trains, he, you know, he dedicates a lot to the sport. And, um, he, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting now. I want to see, you know, he's got to keep this fight on his feet, I, I, I think. I mean, obviously, they've been training on his wrestling. But Henry is, you know, he's probably been doing it since he was a baby. Um, to be that elite level wrestler, Olympic gold medalist, um, that's going to play, you know, there's going to be, I can see them both fighting, I can see them both banging because that's what he does. And he did that against Mighty Mouse as well. But he's, I'm sure that at the right point, he's going to look for that takedown and he's going to he's going to try and wrestle into the ground. How good is his jiu-jitsu though? Because you can't just wrestle somebody to the ground and not do anything. If he can get on top of, of TJ and, and then ground and pound him, maybe that's the way he thinks about doing it. Not sure about his jiu-jitsu. Um, can he submit him? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I'm looking forward to that fight. I think TJ will have the edge um, as long as he's not lost too much power and doesn't go into it and find himself weak from the weight cut, because that's you know that's that can be detrimental uh, to that fight because Henry's going in it is normal. You know he's not had to train hard cardio wise. He's not burning the candle at both ends, whereas TJ is. Um, but you know from what he said. He he says he feels he feels strong and he's not lost any power and anything like that. So let's let's hope that is the case and both guys go in there at top of the game and we get a, an amazing fight. Um, so yeah, a lot a lot went on uh, over Christmas, um, boxing UFC. Uh, there's there's a lot coming up, good fights to look forward to, and I will pick up on them in future podcasts. But that's my breakdown of those fights. I hope that. Um, you know, you guys can get in touch and give me your your kind of views and stuff. The whole John Jones situation is so crazy, and I want to know what people are thinking because I, you know, people have had booked flights, booked hotels, everything to to Vegas to go and see that fight. So, you know, because they probably some people couldn't afford to to cancel that last minute. Uh, maybe you don't get deposits back. I don't know exactly how it all works in America, but. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people missed out there and, and I think John's getting a lot of slack for that obviously they'll all be saying how much of a cheat he is because they'll be angry at him I think he's lost he's lost a lot of fans in that sense um, at the same time there's always going to be his fans that are there just because of how good a, an athlete he is and how you know he's top for me he's, he's pound for pound he's beat you know he's, he's, he's beat everybody but He's got to do it, you know. He's probably got to beat Cormier again to take that title from him, that pound for pound title. Is he going to step up in weight? Do you think he should fight him, fight Cormier at heavyweight? Um, Cormier has given his dues. He said that it was a good performance, but he, I know he still doesn't agree with with all the drug testing and and, and being found positive for for, for different, different PEDs and stuff. So I don't know how much of that respect is he's going to give him as when it comes to another fight that is the fight going forward I think that's that's the best fight if if you know Stipe doesn't get a rematch or something because I think he still deserves a rematch at heavyweight um, but yeah man let me know what you think I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast get in touch with me if you want to follow me uh, on Instagram it's at Podcast. Uh, if you want to email me it's Podcast at mail.com um yeah, let me know your thoughts. Let me know what, what fights you're getting excited for. Um, whether it's boxing, UFC, Bellator. I don't I don't mind. I wanna I wanna hear your your thoughts and um, you know what are your thoughts on on, on all the, the John Jones drama? And what are your thoughts going forward? Um, give me give me your um, give me your predictions on the TJ Dillashaw fight. Give me tell me who you think's gonna win, why you think it's gonna win, how it's gonna go down. You know, next time I do a podcast, if, if you've made a bold prediction and, and you've got it right, I'll give you a shout out on here. Um, I'm not gonna make a you know a massive prediction to say how it's gonna go down, but I do think Dillashaw is gonna have the edge provided that um, he's not gonna start gassing or find himself weak because of the amount of training he's had to do to get himself down to the weight. Um, but yeah, listen, I'd love it if you all can just get in touch. And that's the end of this podcast. Have a great day.
Hi everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I appreciate all your support and kind words. Um, I never imagined that the podcast would gain the amount of downloads in a short space of time that it has. Now, for 2019, I want to go bigger and better. I want to focus time and energy into the podcast and really put out some great content. I'm looking to invest in some better recording equipment and pull in some interesting and inspirational guests with amazing stories. To achieve this, I've set up a PayPal Me link, which you can find in the bio. The link is paypal.me forward slash podcast. I'd rather do this than um, put advertisements and sponsorships into the podcast and just kind of bog it down and, and make you guys have to listen to stuff that you're not really wanting to listen to. So if you're a fan of this show and you want to show support, then please feel free to give as little or as much as you'd like. Once again, I really appreciate your support. It's been amazing. Thank you.